Good morning, gents. Good morning, Nick. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good, apart from those last-minute technical hiccups. Um, um, I feel pretty good for a Tuesday. I wish it was a joke. I guess um, uh, back in 2013, 2014, when I heard all these hipsters talking about fintech, I thought it was the next greatest tech business from Finland. <laughs> and, and I thought that for about, you know, three weeks until I actually learned what it was. Must be the weather. Must be, must the, be weather. the weather. Yeah, that's a song, isn't it? Hey, must be it the weather. It feels that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. So, Nick, are you ready? Yeah. Yeah, I'm Vila, ready. are you ready? Good to go. Okay, in that case, a clap and let's get on the show. Welcome to FinTech Daydreaming. The podcast that dives into the world of banking technologies and the ever-changing landscape of FinTech companies. We bring you real-life examples from global and local thought leaders, as well as experts working within the financial industry and seek out the best stories from the front lines of financial services innovation, where dreams of industry pioneers meet reality. Hosted by Paul Krogdahl and Ville Sontu. This is Fintech Daydreaming. We're back. Another episode of Fintech Daydreaming, your most special and fantastic podcast that you just cannot dare to miss. I know that you're tuning in. I know you're enjoying the ramblings from uh, Villa, myself, and our esteemed guests on a fortnightly basis. And we would not want to let you down and disappoint you. So we are back. We are here. And as always, I am me. And I am joined by him. It's good to see you, him. How are you, Villa? <laughs> Hello, you. Hello, me. Uh, I'm doing. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, this time around, I'm actually uh, here at my home studio, and I, I was using air quotes there for those of not what's watching the video. So, uh, so yeah, good to be here for a change. Uh, now that we've been, I've been traveling around the world, uh, I will be traveling again next week, but uh, that's uh, uh, another story uh, for a later time. But yeah, good to be good to be here in Finland. It's actually quite beautiful here with autumn and all the colors in the trees and and things like that. Uh, and I guess uh, people are starting to prepare for Christmas already, which is a little bit weird now in uh, October, but it is what it is. No, I'm, I'm really struggling with that. I mean, the next thing for me should be Halloween and I'm already starting to hear Christmas songs. I can't cope with this. You know, to, to me, to me, Christmas starts mid December. It does not start beginning of October. I, I need to get through my birthday. I need to get through Halloween and, and multiple other things before we start thinking about Christmas. So yeah. please don't take us there. I'm back from London in Helsinki Airport. They already had a kind of full Christmas store uh, at the airport, which was uh, a little bit odd. Yeah, no, no, thank you. And 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 just to keep up with you, I'm traveling as well. So next week um, I'm going to be at Cybos, oh. uh, which is you know the highlight of of the year for me. Um, uh, a week in Cybos. Maybe I'll I'll do something interesting from Cybos whilst I'm there next week. Let's see. If it's, Villa, if it, it's like it was for me for a couple of a couple of years ago. It's like a week with no sleep, basically. But it's yes. a lot of fun. Yes, it is. It is, and I'm I'm taking an awful lot of responsibility with me from my day job. So uh, we'll see how worn out I'll be by the end of it. Right. You but actually, by the time we publish this episode, it will be just coming up to the end of Cybos. 
So at the moment, I look refreshed. Let's see how I look for the, uh, the next podcast episode. But I'm wondering, Villa, when I say to you, banking as a service, I know we've spoken about this many times before. Uh, t- tell me in, in just one sentence, what, what comes to mind? It is financial infrastructure being simplified for, for entities that want to do payments and banking, uh, but don't necessarily want to be exposed to all the risks and licensing and compliance to the same extent, at least, uh, as you would uh, as a licensed institution. So effectively simplifying banking as a service uh, to non-bank entities. I think that's that's the simplest way of uh, explaining it. Now, as we've discussed before, there's a lot of nuance in it. Uh, you can have different levels of uh, licensing uh, schemes. It's very regional. Uh, some, some are having a global approach. Uh, some are having a regional approach. Uh, some don't use licenses at all. Uh, and uh, as we've discussed in previous episodes, we, we tend to call those uh, banking as a platform rather than banking as a service. But one thing is clear, uh, there's a lot of uh, different uh, ways to uh, talk about this topic uh, and that's why it seems to be an infinite um, uh, source of, uh, of good discussions uh, like I believe we will, we will have today. Absolutely and dear dear listeners that was Villa demonstrating the world's longest sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Next time I ask for a sentence Villa, a sentence. But anyway On to our fantastic guest. I have the deep pleasure of introducing to everybody uh, Nick. Uh, Nick is the CEO of Intergiro. Intergiro, uh, we'll get the right pronunciation of it. It's a Swedish company. Um, He is a Brit. He's living in Portugal. Um, He seems to be ticking all the boxes of being a cool fintech entrepreneur type of guy. Young, short hair. Santan, I mean, just look at him. Nick, it's a pleasure to have you here with us. Maybe we should start with, Thank you very who much. are you? Why are you in Portugal? Why are you CEO of a Swedish company? Uh, give us give us the background. Sure, absolutely. Uh, well, thank you for having me on the show. So I, I am English, I'm from London, uh, and I worked in banking for 15 years-ish. Uh, and then I went a bit more entrepreneurial, I met some Swedes who had some money um, and we were all pretty hyped about the internet and, and, uh, and the kind of business models that were coming out of the internet, you know, crypto platform, IoT, all these things. And we were trying to create products around them and, um, and we couldn't really get that, you know, we couldn't take those to market because of the banks. Most of them were money linked because of our background and uh, the banks they didn't have the technology they didn't have the cultural interest really in what we're working on so so yeah we hatched a plan to create a bank or it didn't actually end up that way it ended up as an emi um but uh they were swedish and and like i said um and they actually already had a, a psp um which had applied for an emi license so so we kind of hijacked that um and and i took over and um and made it what it is today but i'd always i'd always had the vision that i wanted to create a distributed business even before that was hip you know this is 2017 uh way before the virus made it you know much more normal i'd always imagined that was the most efficient and resilient way of running a business um so we created it that way from the beginning um five years ago and um and in that model 
um, you can you can live wherever you want. Uh, there's, uh, there's no reason to be anywhere really. So 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 I chose Portugal. Uh, we, uh, we have a hub here. I'm in the co-working. We've got eight people here, I think now. Um, uh, so yeah, it's a good place to live if you like the surf, you like the beach, you like the kind of uh, uh, nature and lifestyle. I, I love I love that that uh, phrase you used there. I met some Swedish guys with money. Yeah, uh, exactly. I, I think I think that's how all all fintechs should be started. Um, Dilla, we're doing something wrong. We're here in the Nordics. We need to meet some Swedish guys with money. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, we're doing something wrong here. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So, so, so how, do, how how do you pronounce the name? I'm I'm assuming Swedish. It's uh, Inte Giro. Giro. Yeah, that's how the Swedes say uh, the English. We say gyro. Yeah. Okay, and and Jeez. you know you've 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 sort of indicated that uh, you're delivering a banking as a service style capability predominantly for corporate clients. Um, yeah. You know, fr from from a, a definition around banking as a service, we sort of normally tend to say that banking as like Villa's one sentence long definition: banking as a service is is when a, a licensed entity basically uh, delivers out its licensed capabilities to third parties that don't have a banking license. You're mm -hmm. saying that you've got an electronic money institution mm -hmm. license in yep. Sweden. Doesn't that make you more a payments as a service than a banking as a service? Maybe we should start with, in that case, how do you define banking as a service? Mm. And I won't restrict you to yeah. one paragraph or sentence like I did with Villa. No, two. <laughs> two. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, it's a really good challenge. Um, I think it's all about how literal you want to be. Uh, as I mentioned, we're not a bank. We don't pretend to be a bank. What we have created is a middleware that sits in between the banks and modern applications. Um, and, uh, uh, and therefore, we are uh, transmuting um, banking uh, products through our API. So in that regard, we are banking as a service. Um, however, you're absolutely, and, and, and I might mention that we will also offer credit and we will also offer savings, but they just won't be from our license, right? So we will repurpose that through another provider. Um, so, so, so I think it's all about how literal you want to be. I think it's, it's also about how clear and, and, and how easy you want it to be for your users. Um, 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 embedded finance is a, is another phrase that gets uh, used a lot with uh, you know with it, and actually that looks a little bit like what we do. We enable the embedding of money in apps, um, and we allow builders to to create uh, products that have money in them without having to have a license. Um, so, so we landed on, on that phrase because it was well known um, and there was a bit of SEO value. Uh, we could have used a payments as a service as well. Um, uh, we didn't because nobody was using that a few years ago. I don't, I, I don't really hear it that much now, to be honest with you. Um, uh, but yeah, I think it's all about how literal you want to be and how, and, and, and um, how, how banking is a word that I think um, is very, very, broad mm. I, I think i mean villa knows this and we've had other episodes in the past around banking as a service 
um, I get a, a bit become a bit of a stickler when it comes yeah. to some of these uh, these terms. And you know, it's it's the same as the regulators will say to you, you can't call yourself a bank unless you're licensed, right? Mm -hmm. So you have lots of these neo banks out there that don't actually put bank in their name because mm -hmm. they're not fully mm -hmm. licensed. They rely mm -hmm. on someone else's license. In the same vein, I, I'm very focused on banking as a service is, is specifically the fact that it's underpinned by a licensed entity, uh, a bank that will basically outsource its licensed capabilities to a third party. Mm. You take that license away, you've got banking as a platform. Uh, and mm. very often when we get stuck in discussions with, with others on, on the podcast, it's come down to the fact that in reality, there are a banking as a platform provider where yeah. they will partner with or take advantage of, of third parties that have got a licensed entity that mm -hmm. will outsource their license through that platform yeah. to, uh, to other parties. Now, you're sort yeah. of almost on that cusp because you've got an, an electronic money license, right? Mm -hmm. So from yeah. a, a, that perspective, you, you cover the totality. But when it comes to the wider scope of banking, do you then partner with, with, with banks to deliver yeah. that capability? Yeah, exactly. So, so, so we have quite an interesting model. Um, it's it's not that unique anymore, but it was when we kicked it off. So, so we, so like I said, we're a middle layer in between the banks, and we work with many banks under the hood. Okay, but we hold the ledger. Okay, so so we do the smart treasury, uh, which means that 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 you know you can have like a hundred euros in a wallet, and twenty euros might be in bank A, and and the rest could be across or the rest of the banks um, and the user won't know that and that allows us to be very flexible that allows us to do tricks with settlement on cards because we're also an acquirer and an issuer so it allows us to do uh, tricks there it allows us to do interesting things with fx um, so so yeah we you know we work and, and we kind of as I mentioned earlier, we we provide their services th through us, but we're not relying on their regulation. Uh, that's one thing. We're relying on their infrastructure and their connection uh, um, uh, to the payment networks um, more than we're relying on their regulation. Although that's not strictly true, I just I think the safe guarding of money uh, you know is it, it is required that that's at a credit institution so we're relying on them in, in that regard um but but it, it's more relying on their connections to all the payment networks um but i do agree with you that you know if you're using you know when you're using these names you do need to think about regulated or not you know you, you see a lot of non-regulated entities um calling their services banking as a service when really they're just providing platform, you know, thought machine and, and providers like that. Um, so, so yeah, I do think that regulated or not um, is a key input to how, how you name it. So now no, I've got a follow-on question on that before I, let Villa, before, before I let Villa dive in here. Um, you said something interesting there that sort of pricks up my ears again as well. And you said, you know, we can do these tricks between the banks. And I, I think mm -hmm. instantly about transparency and back mm -hmm. to regulation and even more importantly, back to accountability. Mm -hmm. So so as you are, are implementing your, your capabilities and making them available to third parties, to a certain degree, taking advantage of the uh, license 
lended to you or given to you by, by these other third-party licensed banks, who takes accountability when things go wrong? Who, who, who ends up with the, the regulators knocking on the door? Well, when I said tricks, I didn't mean anything um, untoward. I meant treasury tricks, right? Yeah. You know, which is, you know, which is, you know, where, which is where it's the idea that e-money is not money, right? It's mm. fundamentally not money. It's freed from money, okay? So, 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 so you, uh, you, can, you can use it in, in much more flexible ways um, uh, and, and, and there always is money that, land, that is in the banks, okay? Mm-hmm. So, so, so it, the regulation is, is you know, around what goes wrong um, is, is, it, it, it is, is about where the real money is, okay? Um, and there's always a one, to one relationship with all the e-money and real money. Um, so, so, so I would argue that this model is, is, is lower risk than a traditional banking model, right? Because uh, we don't have to have capital reserves like a bank because we're not a casino or a gambler like a bank, right? We don't, all of, all of our e-money is always one to one. There's no fractional reserve. There's, mm. you know, there's no leverage. There's no, you know, there's no lending or risk happening there. Um, and all the money is always in a, a bank, a credit institution that is completely insured and has, you know, ridiculous tier one ratios. Um, um, so, so I argue this, this model is fundamentally lower risk, actually, because it spreads that risk across many institutions, not just one. Uh, and and it's always one to one ratio, so 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 there's no inherent liquidity risk. I, I could unpack that tremendously, but I know Villa is itching to 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 say something here, so I'll, I'll give Let's it a go, Villa. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, f- funny you should mention this one to one backing, by the way, because I was talking about the money institution licenses. Uh, in, in, in a call a few weeks ago, and I was schooled on the fact that it's actually not one to one in in, uh, in the European Union. It's one point zero five to one uh, anyway. But uh, I, I, I took the point on that call, so I just wanted to pass it along to our listeners as well. So it's one point zero five. But yeah, so uh, again, I, I pre- pretty much had the same question as Paul had uh, about the uh, this settlement, quote unquote, tricks, but from a different angle. Uh, you are licensed as an e-money institution in Sweden. Now, this gives you passporting capabilities across the Euro, uh, across the eurozone for sure. Uh, but how about your banking relationships? Are they all in Europe? Are they all in Sweden? Or I mean, how are you looking at the uh, banking partners? And how do you see those? What is your strategic approach uh, for uh, having mm-hmm. a network of partner banks? And uh, what do you have today? And what do you want to achieve uh, in the mm-hmm. bank network in the future? So, so right now our banks are all over Europe, uh, all over the EEA. Um, um, and uh, we don't actually have any clearing access in, in Sweden right now, which is ironic. <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of the hardest places to get that, um, even if you're a Swedish entity, which is nuts in my mind. Um, um, we, 
how the model has been created, like I said, this middleware thing, whereas if you wanted to go into Asia or the US or South America, we just add a bank under the hood and then, and then we can move there after you've had a ch chat with that regulator. So it wouldn't, you know, it's a very flexible model uh, where we could, you know, we could move anywhere as long as we have a local clearing access and a local institution which is regulated there. Um, but right now, it, it's all over the EEA, um, all the banks we use. We do have plans to move out of the EEA, but uh, right now we, uh, we have our hands full. <laughs> Lots of work happening. Okay, uh, a follow-up question there. Uh, you, I think you made an interesting phrase, which was that you transmute banking services uh, to your clients. Uh, and uh, then you said that uh, you are going beyond payments. Uh, so again, the uh, the payments part of it is pre pretty uh, self-explanatory. And now you can provide these settlement capabilities uh, across different banks in a faster way because you're using e-money, as you said. Uh, but beyond payments, I mean, what are the other banking services that you are, uh, quote unquote, transmuting uh, to your clients? Well, um, it's not, uh, we're going to offer credit card that's one thing um but obviously we're not going to provide that liquidity from the client money like a bank would so so we're using another provider to do that which will provide the lending or, or will provide the balance sheet uh we're going to provide savings as well which is exactly the same just the opposite end of the coin all right we we're not allowed to offer savings rates so we're going to use a provider that is and, um, and and make that available through the platform um, but, but that's it so credits savings cards fx payments um, that's everything and is that aimed uh, as well against uh, corporate clients or is, is that for uh, retail so we have two platforms we have b to b and b to b to c uh, what we call 2d and 3d um, and 2d is only businesses or corporates um, b to b to c as you would imagine the end c on that is consumers so mm -hmm. so we do have consumers on the ledger it's just they are not through our brand they're through the a partner brand um, but, but uh, we don't have any plans for a consumer brand under our name, no. Okay. I'd actually like to move back to, to the discussion around uh, banking as a service, the success that you guys have had. And maybe, you know, from your experience, what has been some of the um, issues or challenges that you've faced as you've built this organization in in actually building this banking as a service capability or banking as a platform capability you know if you were to to help others on that journey yeah so so i think the the thing like the thing you really have to crack is onboarding uh, once you do you know once you can allow other providers or other partners to onboard through your API, the volume and the load gets, um, can get pretty crazy. So, so, so you have to get your automation uh, nailed pretty soon. 
Otherwise, you're just going to overrun the business. Uh, that's one thing. Uh, that was one of the early challenges uh, that we had. Um, another challenge is a lot of the early partners or your early clients, they all want special treatment, bespoke things. And so early on, you end up kind of chasing your tail a little bit, um, trying to, to do all these rink-a-dinks and these add-ons that they want for their product that they promise is going to fly next month. Mm. Um, so so, so the, the challenge is really trying to create a turnkey solution and then finding the clients that want that out of the box, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, rather than all these endless, endless custom uh, builds. So that's one thing for sure. Um, or those are two things that I would recommend. Um, I guess that's about it. I mean, the organization thing is always a challenge. You know, how do you, how do you resource the right areas of the organization? Uh, and, and how do you make sure, you know, when you fix one problem, like you fix onboarding as an example, you just push the issue downstream. So then you have to fix transaction monitoring touring or cdd uh, and then you have to and then when you fix that you've got to fix other stuff and so you end up you, you know you end up just in this continuous iteration of, of of you know one velocity increase creates another problem and then you fix that and then it creates another problem so you just have to have the mindset of of just continuous improvement all the time i think mm-hmm. We're talking about the sort of whole banking as a platform, banking as a service domain, which is in in rapid growth at the moment. Do you think we're we're hitting saturation point or do you think that there's still potential for fundamental Mm -hmm. growth? Oh, no, I don't. I don't think we're anywhere near. You know, I mean, you know, I I, I, um, predicted this in about uh, in about 2017, 2018, when we started creating the business. But it didn't, the demand didn't show up quite as quick as I was imagining. And it, it hasn't been until 2021 where things have really lifted off. Um, uh, um, so, so, so I, you know, I think we're, we're right at the beginning of the adoption curve. And I think there's some really, really exciting things. I, I mean, I think it's going to, I think it's going to fundamentally change products you know i think i think we're going to enable completely new product experiences um and 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 i don't think anyone really realizes that yet i think i think that's been it's almost hidden under the radar you know it's kind of crept up almost um hidden by crypto you know everyone's been talking about crypto you know these last few years but i think this banking as a service and this abstraction of money into products um i think this is going to have a massive impact and um i mean i saw some gartner headline that it's going to peak in two years or something i think even that's a bit early i think i think i think this decade will be um uh, uh, they'll be changing the whole way through you'd like to um, sorry go villa 
Yeah, you bring up an interesting comparison there. I mean, it sounds like you've been working in crypto space and you see crypto solving or at least claiming to solve certain problems for, for corporates, for example. But now you're uh, in, a, in a banking as a service proposition using an e-money license. Uh, what, where do you think crypto is falling short compared to the approach that, uh, that you have right now? Well, um, I'm not sure you can compare those two things. I think you're, you, you're not comparing apples and apples. I think um, crypto is a, um, is a technological change breakthrough, right? A blockchain computer is like the next iteration of, you know, of the, the internet, right? So, 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 so um, uh, that is an enabler uh, for for whole new kind of interactions and transactions, um, banking as a service is a late iteration of a very very old business. Um, um, uh, but you know, I mean, you can if you. I think I think I saw some numbers that at the end of this decade, embedded finance would be something crazy like seven trillion dollars worth of uh, of market opportunity I, I haven't checked what the you know the crypto uh, valuation or market cap recently is but i think i think it was around three or something at its peak so it's less than that now um so you can compare them in terms of maybe valuation and market opportunity but i don't think those two things are comparable really does that imply that they won't mix either? So you have to choose one or the other? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, the opposite. I think they are two independent things. Uh, and, and I think absolutely you will access, um, uh, you know, I think, I think in the future there'll be um, currency agnostic ledgers, right? So, and that includes crypto. So there'll be businesses that want to pay their taxes in euro they want to pay an invoice in bitcoin or whatever it will be then they want to get paid in ethereum uh, then they're going to want to and and that will be a continual um currency exchange um and and that's and that's how it it will be that's how we'll trade um uh, so so yeah i think they'll they'll mix for sure 100%. Sounds like you're uh, you're setting some future strategies for uh, for Interiero. Oh, I mean, I think if if any fintechs out there have got any other, you know, if I mean, if you're not working on a crypto or a currency agnostic ledger, um, then I think you're uh, you're off the mark. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Again, I mean, we're, we're focusing in on uh, trying to get more into the the how of banking as a service. Uh, mm -hmm. We've had so many discussions on what is it, and and I think we've done actually one of the best jobs so far on on this episode on defining what is banking as a service versus banking as a platform, etc. So that's actually a, a bonus point that I I want to want want to give to you, Nick. But it, when, we, when we look at the, the how to do it, one of the things that's always been an, an interesting, almost dichotomy of, of banking as a service is 
like you said, it's it's a growing industry or growing domain within inside of the banking industry. Mm-hmm. Um, growth means that you want to expand across regions, across regulatory uh, boundaries, right? So as you're building a platform to deliver banking capabilities, you're very often going to hit regional variations. Uh, you guys are on a growth path. Uh, it's possible that you've already thought about this. So how are you going to deal with, you know, going cross borders or cross regional variations, both from a uh, regulatory perspective, but also from a um, way of working and way of interacting? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. It's quite a deep question. Um, yes. I mean, it's not easy, right? Because it's not, you know, like we're a principal member of Visa MasterCard and we have an EMI license. Um, and those licenses are regional, right? Mm-hmm. Those regulators say you're allowed to access these markets. And, and Visa MasterCard say you're allowed to access these markets. Uh, even though you could use their network all over the world, it all kind of works the same. They, they, they charge you more when you move markets, right? So they, it's in their interests for you to have a North American license or a European license or an Asian license or something. Um, so, so there are these boundaries there that, that the regulator applies. And not only that, the actual rules are fundamentally different. You know, if we were, serving a marketplace in the US versus a marketplace in Europe. PSD2 um, has made some pretty big changes to how that should work, right? Like the marketplace is not allowed to be in the money flow anymore, uh, whereas in the US it is, I think. So, um, uh, you know, it's not only uh, the actual regulator boundaries but the rules are are completely different (laughs) um so so until there is some kind of harmony or harmonization of those rules um uh, i think the only way to do it is just to have separate teams right you uh, you know you're going to have to have a, a u.s regulatory team and a u.s product you're going to have to have a european one you're going to have to have an Asian one. Um, uh, there's no other way to do that right now. Um, um, what I would add is how we've created the business is is right, you know is the right way to do that because our middleware, as I mentioned earlier, would you know would just get a bit wider when we add a US bank. We, you know we'd add a South American bank. Uh, we'd add a Japanese bank, whatever, and and we could access those currencies and and use their regulation so in terms of organizational structure i think i think i think um our way probably makes that um you know pretty easy um but the problem is those regulatory rules um uh, and the investment that you would have to make if you were going to try to replicate the business in those other areas it sounded it sounded like you're you're almost saying that uh, we're never going to see one single banking as a service provider taking world domination. We're going to see winners and losers in different regions. 
Well, I think you'll see, I mean, if you would like, what would that look like? Okay, um, let's just think about that. I mean, there are banks out there that have licenses, it, it, like in all those areas, you know, like the huge banks, the HSBCs of this world. Um, they could, in theory, create a BAS platform in all those areas, and they could make that available, and they, and they already have all, all the regulatory know-how. Um, but I just, I don't think they know how to make BAS platform, that's the thing. And let's be honest, the cost model of the banks is, doesn't lend itself to a BAS model because, um, it, you know, we're going to eventually where this market will head, it, it will be a race to the floor. It will be efficiency. Um, uh, uh, you'll have to make money on small guy um, and, uh, and, and there's no way they can do that. So, so, so no, I think, I don't think you, uh, you're going to see a, a worldwide bass offering any time soon. Okay. Um, any, any questions from you, Villa? This links a little bit to the crypto questions that I had before, because in my mind, uh, many times these crypto uh, propositions tend to try to offer that global approach, uh, basically saying that uh, you don't need to be regulated, you don't need compliance or licenses in specific uh, uh, jurisdictions because you're using a global ledger like uh, like the crypto is, is, is doing. Do you see crypto as part of the answer for this global reach uh, or you do you see that the uh, the old and tried tested way uh, of getting licensed at, or, at, or partnering in different regions is the, is the way forward? So crypto allows you to trade and, you know, it's the, it's like the currency of the internet. So wherever there's the internet, you can trade on crypto. Um, I think that's absolutely true. The question is, can you run a product with only crypto? Um, I guess that could be more and more, uh, you know, you know, that's more and more available now. Um, uh, but most consumers in most markets want to have access to their local currencies, right? Uh, uh, um, I think, I think, I think how I see, as I mentioned earlier, I don't see crypto replacing anything really. I see crypto is augmenting and making international trade easier and making trading online easier. Um, but but people will still need to pay the taxes. They're going to still need to pay the. You know, they're still going to have to. Uh, have access to euro, USD, and whatever. Um, so I don't see it as a, a, a as a silver bullet to the worldwide bass question. No. Okay. So, so uh, shifting gears a little bit here and moving back to the or one of our other favorite topics, which is regulation and compliance, which we've been kind of touching a little bit here as well. And the one of the discussions that I keep on hearing in many different circles these days is that uh, e-money licenses specifically are being sunsetted uh, in the European Union in favor of moving into these lightweight banking licenses or digital banking licenses, something that uh, isn't there yet, but uh, but might be happening in in, uh, in, the, in the near future. Now, as an e-money 
license holder. Uh, do you have you seen uh, this, uh, or have you heard about these discussions? And uh, and furthermore, uh, are you looking into getting a full banking license, perhaps at some point in the future? So, I'd not heard about that. No, I um, I hadn't heard that there was the um, that there was an option, or that anyone was looking at moving EMIs into light banking licenses. I do think EMIs are the regulations are being used in ways that they were probably not originally meant for. <laughs> uh, I think that's true. So it, it would be logical and I could see why regulators would uh, would want to maybe shift it over to some other structure. Um, um, so um, that's interesting. I don't, you know, we have looked at, Banking licenses. Uh, we've looked at uh, the options. We've looked at ones off the shelf. We've looked at uh, our various places in Europe where we could access them, and these kind of more modern licenses where you don't have to have every. You know, you can sort of pick what what you want in the license rather than having to have everything. Uh, we uh, we have we have looked at those, and that's interesting. Um, but the amount of capital required uh, is is still pretty crazy and uh, we just see huge opportunities um, in, in what we already have you know like I've mentioned we can we can provide a lot of these services through our platform um, um, and and make a pretty good uh, you know margin and make uh, and make a nice offering and really solve client problems you know our, we're really focused on on the, the problem you know we created the business to help unlock the value of the internet. And, um, and as I mentioned, we were having these issues back five years ago. Mm. And we're really excited about, about what, you know, what people will create uh, once they have access to coding against money. You know, this is a new thing. You know, you, you've always, you know, code has always had access to kind of talk about money, make records about money. Um, but it's never actually, you know, engineers have never had access to, to the actual money flow. And now they do. And I think, I think, um, I think the opportunity is huge. We're already seeing on our platform, you know, we've enabled two or three business models that could not exist without us, um, which, which makes me really proud. Um, and right now, none of that is hindered because we don't have a bank license. Um, so, so, so I think, you know, to answer your question, it's, we don't really worry too much about, you know, the licensing, as long as we're licensed to do what we want to do, which right now we absolutely are. Um, I don't think we need to make any large investments in that space. As always, we, um, get into the deep discussions and want to go further, but we start running out of time. Uh, you mentioned some interesting business models i'd like to explore that further but time is running away from us i'm wondering nick before we close off this episode is there anything you feel that we've missed or something that you really would have wanted to share with us and and the listeners i think well i mean we've touched on it um so it's not complete you know i have not left it off but i do think we're in a in a moment of great change uh, right now I, I think it's one of those moments that we'll look back on and we'll go oh wow that 
that happen quickly, almost under our noses. You know, technology seems, if you look at the history of technology, at least since the internet or, you know, the last few decades, it abstracts upwards, you know, um, you know, you can see it. Facebook abstracted the social network, uh, Google abstracted internet links, um, Intel with the chip, you know, all these things happen under your noses and then you look back on them and they amaze you. I think we're in that moment now with finance. Um, and and I, think, I think I'm just really, really looking forward to seeing what is created over, over the next few years. I think it's going to be really exciting. And, and that's why I do this. Um, I think enabling the new and enabling innovation, I think, is, an, is a noble thing to do. And, uh, and it's happening. So I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. I, I agree with you 100%. I think we're in an industry at the moment which is getting so heavily disrupted. It's nowhere else that's exciting to be. Mm. I'll, I'll agree with that. Absolutely. But like I said, we are running out of time, unfortunately. Uh, another discussion we would have liked to have continued for for at least another hour. Uh, it's been a fantastic talking to you, Nick. And um, I'm keen to see where your... Um, opportunities and business grows too. Uh, I just realized we, we almost forgot the usual, let's have a, a joke. Uh, anyone got a joke to share? I could go for one. You can go for one, go on then. All right, so as you know, Paul, we have listeners all around the world, uh, especially here in the Nordic countries and uh, Iceland is of course one of them. So guess what I heard the other day? Uh, the, uh, the Iceland, people in Iceland, uh, they have a very specific way of storing their cryptocurrencies. Do you know what it is? No. Oh. Cold wallets. Oh. <laughs> cool. I'll show myself out. Yeah. <laughs> please, please, please do and take your joke book with you. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Well, I think that was a nice way of, of ending off uh, another episode of uh, Fintech Daydreaming. Uh, Nick, like I said, it's been fantastic to have you on the show with us. If our listeners want to know more about... Um, uh, Intergiro uh, or you maybe talk about the surfing down there in uh, in um, uh, Portugal. Portugal. Only hot. Yeah, Portugal. Uh, how, how do they how do they get in touch with you? How can they find you? I think me and the business are most active probably now on LinkedIn. So mm -hmm. so check us out on LinkedIn. Um, that's where I write a bit of long form. Um, um, I, a material and we have loads of posts and things there as well so i think that's probably the best place and uh how do they find you on linkedin uh linkedin forward slash root nick uh or nick root and yep. uh, uh that's how you find me fantastic okay Thank you very much, Nick, for joining us, for everybody else out there that has been following us through this episode, and I hope through all of our other episodes. If not, if this is your first time with us, then check out our past discussions with some fantastic guests, all of them just as uh, colourful and enjoyable to talk to as Nick has been with us here today. As always, please do hit that uh, like button hit the subscribe button, and more importantly, leave us some comments. Let us know what you think about the show, what we've been talking about, 
share some questions with us. You know, most platform algorithms uh, see a comment worth more than five likes. We like that because it helps us grow and helps other people find us. So hit those bike buttons, smash the, um, the subscribe. Villa and I will be back in two weeks time. Until then, this has been Fintech Daydreaming. This is Fintech Daydreaming.